welcome to the Player Development Project podcast. My name is Dave Wright, co-founder and editor of Player Development Project. PDP is a website for coaches who are committed to learning, and we provide a huge library of resources which consists of cutting-edge insights from the world's most innovative player developers, coach educators, and researchers. If you want to learn from the best and join a community of like-minded coaches, then check out playerdevelopmentproject.com. On this week's Player Development Project podcast, we answer a question from our community. Hi everyone, welcome to another Player Development Project Q&A. Pleased to be joined by PDP Technical Advisor Dan Wright. Dan, how are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you. I'm excited to do another Q&A. It seems like we've, uh, we've left it a little while. Yeah, it's been a quiet month in the Q&A department, but good to be back on board and a great question to tackle this month. So the question comes from Carlos via the PDP Facebook page, and it is, what's the best way to utilize my assistant coach? So quite a good question and certainly lots to consider. What are your initial thoughts on this one? Uh, good question. Um, I think this is something we've both experienced being a lead coach and an assistant coach. Um, I think the quick answer is to make sure you've got two actual coaches. You've got two sets of eyes, so utilize mm-hmm. them. Um, I think quite often you can get a coach and assistant working together and you either get like an echo chamber or you get somebody who doesn't talk at all. Um, so that that would be my quick advice to make sure you, you're you're using the benefit of having two people, not just getting one person and then one person repeating what the other person's saying. Mm. Uh, do you want to run through a few strategies of, of how to use an assistant coach or, or experiences of what we've done with an assistant coach? Yeah, look, I think there's a number of ways to deal with them. I think first and foremost, before we go into them, it's about establishing whose role is what. So sometimes we've worked in scenarios where there's two coaches, but you're both on equal par. There's no sort of hierarchy as such. You're both just two coaches trying to best help the group of players you're with. Um, and that may be just about going into the session with a plan as to what your roles will be on the night, and maybe that changes fluidly, or maybe it is, okay, there's a head coach and you may have an assistant. And I think it's also important to acknowledge that this is a, a luxury that a lot of people don't get to experience. Um, so it's, it's interesting how you tackle it. So first one is splitting the group. So if you do have the luxury of an assistant coach and you've got the opportunity to split the group in half, um, for me, this is beneficial in the sense that it sort of gives a better player to coach ratio. So if you've got a group of 18 kids and you can make it, okay, I'm going to work with these nine and you work with these nine or 10 and eight or whatever you'd like to split it. I'd hate to split into two nines. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know know me, mate, I love an underload overload session. So, Um, but however you split those numbers, there's a, a guess an opportunity to have a better uh, ratio in terms of players to coach and that's going to allow you better contact time a better opportunity to get to know the individuals in the group and it may be a case of okay you've got a 90 minute session two 25 minute practices i'll take these nine then you take that nine and we'll swap and we'll repeat the same practice and i've done that many times and then brought the group back together so that's one way so splitting the group can work um, any other sort of strategies you're thinking of yeah, I think there's, there's there's tons and tons. Just to touch on splitting the group, that can be a nice way to deal with difference in the group. So mm. if you've got maybe four stronger players and four working towards players in the grassroots environment, that's a really nice way to yeah. kind of split. Um, you can also split around positions, so you could have defenders and attackers. Mm. Um, you could split and deliver different sessions and swap over. That's a, that's a nice one. Yeah. Um, my next one was going to be kind of, I suppose it's more games-based. Yeah. 
sort of match day. But it can it can work in training as well, is to have one working in possession and one working out of possession. So, for example, if you and I are working together and my topic was um, uh, penetrating in the final third, so I'm, I'm talking about combinations to get through central areas and I'm talking about maybe going around using wingers. So I could work with, um, I'm thinking in my head, like a, a phase of, phase of play, attack mm-hmm. versus defence type scenario, and I'm going to work with the wide players and the nine and the, and the central players. Then your assistant could work with the back four and the holding two or yep. the goalkeeper. So that just gives you um, gives you nice clarity when you're coaching because you don't have to worry about the defending. Mm. And it also means that you can kind of work off each other. So I could say, you know, for the first part of the practice, can you get the defence really tightly organised, um, compact and narrow and work around the sides? Yep. And then perhaps then you would say, guys, where's the challenge? And they'd say out wide and they'd fix that problem and then we would try and go through the middle. So it's kind of... Um, everyone's learning something rather than having a curriculum it says this week we're attacking you know in the final third and the yeah. defender's like that doesn't really affect me um so, so that, that's quite a nice one is that something you've done before yeah look i actually had that scenario uh, a couple of weeks ago where i had a coach come along and observe the session and i said to him bring your boots because i might need you as a server you know i was in a position where my assistant had half the group down the other end so for my session uh, sort of combination play similar to what you're outlining it was about breaking down a deep block and I just said to him, look, you can be the server and just get the practice going. So after I'd set the session up and worked with the attackers on just perhaps where to be or what kind of passes to look for, I was actually able just to sit behind the back four and make sure that they were organized. So I sort of had half an assistant, if you will, but it was exactly that scenario. Once the session's moving, now I can actually adapt and make the challenge a bit more difficult or, or adapt the practice uh, for the team out of possession. And you're still coaching what's in front of you. You know, you're still working with players on a scenario, even if your topic is attacking, there's gonna be a defensive element to it. So yeah, certainly a nice way to, to sort of manage it. And as you said on game day, um, it may be just one leads the in possession themes, whether you are having a conversation before the game or during the breaks in the game. Uh, and one talks about one or two key points out of position. It's a nice way to do it. Yeah, in games, I find that really useful because in uh, youth football, there can be a lot going on because um, players are still learning their positions. They're still learning the technical and the tactical. And so to focus on all of all 11 players in and out of position can be quite a lot. Mm. If you've got an assistant, you could, you know, I'll look at what we do with the ball. You look at what we're doing without the ball. And then, you know, in youth football, there's quite a lot of... Uh, um, kind of breaks with the quarters or you know mini soccer that could be like two or three games on the same day so that just gives you a chance when you do talk to the group um, to say in possession these are two or three things I've noticed out of possession Dave's going to talk about two or three things he's noticed and you could even deliver that in units or in you know in the, in the people it affects so that kind of leads in nicely to the next one I've got on the list which was kind of one lead and one work with individuals mm. um, so similar to the in and out it might be that you're leading the session and the session is around um, whatever the topic, the topic doesn't matter. But then you could say to me, "Can you focus on these two? So it might be two within your theme, or it might be two that go against your theme. But we've talked a lot on these Q and A's about like individual learning plans and developing individuals. So if I know that I've got two two guys to work with in a ninety minute session, we could go at the beginning of the session and say to these two boys, you know, what's your target, or what do you want to get out of the session, or what you know, what do you want to improve, or what did you struggle on Sunday doing, and then Again, depending on which intervention strategy you want to be, that can be just something you revisit through each practice saying, oh, I noticed that when you did this, you got more success. Or have you tried uh, receiving with your left foot first there? Just little things so that the coach is kind of that overarching. Yeah. Uh, this is the theme for tonight. And then 
I might just be working with two or three boys trying to help them with, with what they need. Yeah, it's almost that sort of big picture and then the detail sort of approach within that, isn't it? And I, I think I've spoken about it before, but I had an example of a young player I was working with uh, early last year and um, just stepped in and he was playing at centre-back, really struggling on his tactical and positional awareness and he was at centre-back to sort of get that understanding and keep the game in front of him for a period of time. It was part of his individual plan. And just stepped in during the practice where I had another coach working with me who was sort of managing the game and session was ticking along. It was like a 5v5, 7v7 scenario, I think, from memory. And just literally walked into the session and just walked around with him and said, okay, well, there's no pressure on the ball now. Maybe you need to be on the back foot. And now there's pressure on the ball. Can you get up the pitch a little bit? And just did that little bit of one-to-one. And his dad actually approached me after and said, oh, I really enjoyed that contact time with you today. And it was great just to have that one-to-one. So if you do have that assistant getting in and just working with players on the run or reviewing their targets or asking them key questions and drive-by coaching is something I'm a big fan of if you are in that position to deal with the individual. So certainly a good strategy. And uh, the next one we've got on the list here around specific tasks and I guess changing the lens and, and the chance to observe the players. So what's your take on this one? Yeah, I think um, this can this can work two ways. So, say if you were leading and I, and I was uh, assisting, I, I could be given a specific task where you could say, Dan, I want you to to look at the midfield three and um, notice how many times they switch play, mm-hmm. or um, you know what are the challenges they face when switching play, or what are the distances that allow them to switch play. The level of detail you want to go to is up to you. Or the the flip of is you could, like you said, get somebody to lead the session for you and it gives you a great chance to observe the players. So I think when we coach, we're so worried about the space, the ball, the the time, the the kind of the constraints, I suppose, that we're we're manipulating and trying to get the players to to understand or perform to a certain level. You can often actually miss the, the individual bits that are going on. So if you've got somebody else coaching, you could just focus on the back four, just focus on um, you know our, our combinations and wide areas, and that can be difficult if you're worrying about the flow of the session. Absolutely. Um, that's something you've used? Yeah, look, I think it's, um, again, it's just being able to step back. And yeah, I have used it, and I think it's worthwhile in terms of just uh, you know an area of focus. And I think particularly on game day, again, that can be relevant. When you talk about the session example, particularly if you've got big groups, and this is an issue I've faced recently where I've had big groups of players, even with two coaches, a lot of it ends up, unfortunately, being managing the session to start with as opposed to affecting the individuals. And it takes time. Um, to get in when you've got bigger groups. So if you're working on your own and you've got 18 players, that can be very difficult. If you're working with an assistant and you've got 18 players, suddenly that scenario becomes a lot easier to manage if somebody can take care of the logistics uh, whilst you focus on the detail or vice versa. So certainly one to consider. Yeah, and then the the last two things we've got um, on the list was kind of planning the role of the assistant. So I think... um, you know, coaches enjoy generally enjoy planning. I know you like a detailed second plan with twenty slides and a hundred notes and beautiful draw. electronic diagrams. Yeah, yeah, they are electronic these days. But quite often we don't actually plan what the other coach is going to do. So if you're leading the session and you've gone to that much care and detail about the size of the zone and some which players are in which areas and how long that practice will go and how many sets and reps and all that kind of stuff. Do we give the same consideration to what the other coach will be doing or do we just say, oh, this is the practice and you know, you help me, mm. which doesn't seem as smart as or with the same kind of intensity that you're, you're planning your session. So can you plan, you know, Dave, I want you to look at the back three or Dave, can you watch you know, Billy and Joe today? Because, you know, 
that their targets are quite similar or, or when we cross it are we getting three people into the zones that we've talked about or are, are we not stuff like that i think is um can just make the session more powerful yeah and i think it's also empowering the assistant i, I think you don't want to turn up to training and have a subordinate like if we're we always talk about empowering players and and creating decision makers and you know, putting on positive environments, making sure that we're we're coaching a certain way. Well, if you're working with somebody who's perhaps less experienced, um, or perhaps um, has some anxiety around the process, and you know, or wants to just develop, then you can play a key role in mentoring that person um, and leading them along. So, assigning tasks and also trusting that person is a huge part of the relationship. Uh, I know when we worked together, we very much sort of saw the lens of coaching as, as you know, we had a fairly similar view of the world. So the, the sort of implicit trust was quite um, sort of prevalent from the get-go. But there can be sometimes where personalities might clash or there may be one personality that's more dominant than the other. Um, so it's important just to take that into consideration just the way you would with a player, in, in my opinion. Yeah, and I suppose, you know, talking to the to the people that would be working grassroots environments, we might be talking about volunteer dads. Exactly. And it's a, it's a great opportunity to educate. So by narrowing the funnel of what they're looking at, so rather than saying, come and help me with the training, which is quite daunting, and like, well, I'm not a coach. If you said, you know, I want you just to, to, to work with the back four, and every time the ball goes up, can you just remind them to squeeze up? Yep. Like, nice, simple principle. Or can you remind the boys that when we're defending, the distances should be where they should be, six yards apart. Can, can you remind them that? Or can you, you know, recognise how many times they do it? It doesn't even have to be an interaction with the player. Yeah. And then um, the last point I've got on my list was kind of similar to what you've said about um, kind of uh, of not having, you know, someone just like a, a nodding dog alongside you mm. is maybe getting a different view to training. Yep. So especially, especially, sorry, in games, uh, you could get a coach to stand on on the other side, um, not not to coach because that can be really annoying when two coaches are coaching <laughs> on different sides. But if you're coaching from the dugout or the you know the traditional coaching position, I could go and watch the game from the other side, and then when we come together, it's really interesting to to watch our views. Sorry, to to kind of um, balance off our views. Mm. So I could say. You know, I think Billy's playing brilliantly today. I've noticed that he's done this, this, and this, and you could go, didn't even see that. Yeah. Or we come together and say, they're playing a, a three at the back. There's opportunity here for us to, to destroy them in wide areas. And you'd go, yeah, I've seen it too. Bum, bum, bum. It's a nice way to, to, to make sure you're seeing the same thing or seeing different things and then giving the players uh, more powerful feedback. Yeah, absolutely. I think the key there in terms of clarifying that there's not two voices from either side can be really important. So it may just be, can you go and observe on the other side and then we'll talk at the break. Um, and obviously we talk about that from a parental perspective. It's really important that coaches aren't sort of talking and barking, uh, sorry, parents aren't talking and barking instructions whilst coaching is maybe trying to achieve an objective. So if you're in that position, it's a unique one, but it's a great way to get two perspectives. And I've also been in a position at a tournament where a colleague of mine just stood behind the goal for a while. You know, it was a nice yeah. big space maybe the goalkeeper needed picking up or something had happened but there was a scenario where he was like I'm just going to go and observe from the back of the pitch and see how the lines are moving and, and different spaces and so on so just manipulating those positions is key any sort of final thoughts on uh, on this question for Carlos from you mate yeah I think we've probably highlighted you know uh, five six seven eight ideas there but the, the main one for me is maybe having that planning around what your assistant's going to do mm. so rather than just yeah come and help me or this is the plan we're going to deliver together if you're taking the lead or you're lucky to have someone to work with you, you could say, this this is my ideas, what do you think? And it would be really helpful if you could help me with these two or three players or really help me if 
when I'm coaching in possession, you could focus on out possession. Because um, like, you know, like we started, you've got two sets of hands, you've got two sets of eyes, you, you should be using them. It shouldn't be um, shouldn't be one one message or one leading voice. You, you've hopefully got, got two people there. Definitely. Well, a good final thought, and hopefully we've helped Carlos in his strategies around working with his assistant coach. Dan, thanks very much for your time. No worries. Really enjoyed it. Awesome. We will look forward to another PDP Q&A very soon. Thanks for joining us on the Player Development Project podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PlayerDP or find us on Facebook. Don't forget to head over to playerdevelopmentproject.com where you can sign up to our progressive coaching community and gain access to our wide variety of resources to help you in your coaching.